Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to pick up at verse 6 and go through 14, maybe. Let's start at, uh, we'll start at verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. For as many as are the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Word of the Lord. Okay, I'm going to start with some Calvin this morning. Calvin says this. In order to benefit from this doctrine, we must remember what we have already said, that being of faith means resisting entirely, or means resting entirely upon the mercy of God. Paul makes a contrast between two opposites, which are no more compatible than fire and water, between the law and faith. We are not saying that the law is not God-given. Indeed, what will become of those who reject it and treat it with contempt? To do this is to violate God's authority. Paul, however, by using the term law, the terms law and faith, is not primarily concerned with doctrine, but rather with the question of where men place their trust for salvation. Justification by faith is taught in both the law and the prophets, as Paul says in the third chapter of Romans and the 21st verse. It is not a new thing at all. The problem is with those who do not know themselves 
and who, like blind hypocrites, think they can obtain God's favor by observing the law, which is in fact impossible. Those who hold fast to legal observance are therefore of the law, and believe they deserve to inherit eternal life. On the other hand, those who are weak in themselves, indeed who are nothing, and acknowledge that they do not deserve a drop of mercy, these are of faith. What determines this? They have laid aside their own works and sought justification in another. They have come as poor beggars before God and asked him to fill them because they are completely empty. So Calvin, helping us understand that distinction between what it means to be of the law and what it means to be of faith. Keep in mind as we go through the book of Galatians that the topic is justification. If we lose sight of that and begin applying what he says to sanctification, we'll go off the rails, right? This book is about justification, and what is justification? Um, Well, Calvin goes on later and he says, Out of 30 so-called Christians, we would be hard-pressed to find even one who knew how to define the word justification. So one of you should know the definition. (laughs) Um, He says, I say this to our shame since our ears are constantly coming under the sound of the gospel, yet we do not properly understand this principal article of faith. Being justified... Now listen to this. Here's a good definition. Being justified does not mean possessing some sort of righteousness of our own. It is God seeing a person as righteous even though he is not. That's justification. It's not possessing a righteousness of your own. It's God declaring you righteous and seeing you righteous even though you are filthy. You are nothing. You are worms. You sin all the time. But God is merciful and declares us righteous only because of the merit that Jesus Christ, his son, built up. I was listening to an interview of uh, a presidential candidate this week, um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., And um, he's the son of Robert Kennedy, who was killed. Um, People know him as Bobby Kennedy. And um, very interesting guy, very difficult man to listen to because he's got this weird throat paralysis. So he's hard to listen to, but I made it through a two-hour, over two-hour interview with him. He was... And he talked about his faith. And of course, we know the Kennedys and we know their observance of Roman Catholic. Um, I mean, they they were practicing Roman Catholics. Um, RFK Jr. got addicted to drugs at 15. That was a year after his father died. Addicted to heroin. Um, and 
and he began trying to figure out, okay, how do I get rid of this addiction? How do I, how do I fight this? Uh, this is not good. And he didn't want to just resist it with his willpower. Um, and even though he had, he said, an ironclad willpower. Uh, when he was young for Lent, he gave up, he gave up, I uh, can't remember what he gave up, but like sugar. And he didn't eat it until he graduated from college. I mean, he went like 10 years without, without eating candy. Um, he gave that as an example. But he didn't, this addiction wouldn't respond like that. He was so addicted to it that he couldn't use his willpower to overcome it. And he was living against his conscience, is the way he put it. And so he wanted to, um, he wanted to, he said, realign his self so that he didn't think about drugs at all. And he brought up the example of St. Augustine having left behind um, lust, and St. Paul having left behind his violent oppression of the church, and St. Francis as examples of this. But he didn't want to um, burden people with religious nonsense. And so he, he uh, started uh, reading Carl Jung and read a book called Synchronicity. And Jung is as godless a person as you could ever read, okay? A hater of Christianity, a hater of the things of God, should not be uh, countenanced at all. And one of the things that Carl Jung taught RFK Jr. was that um, people who believe in God get better faster. And Young's principle was fake it till you make it, basically. Just fake that you believe in God and you'll get better quicker. And so that's what RFK Jr. did. He faked it like um, but he was Meanwhile, asking himself, how do you believe in something you can't see, hear, touch, taste, or acquire with your senses? Um, and so he says this. He said this at the very end of the interview. I began pretending there was a God who watched me all the time. Life was a series of tests then. There were a bunch of moral decisions I had to make every day, and, and each one these were all just little things I did, but each one now for me had a moral dimension. Everything he did had a moral dimension. Like when, I, when the alarm goes off, do I lay in bed for an extra 10 minutes with my indolent thoughts or do I jump out of bed? Do I make my bed, most important decision of the day? Do I hang up the towel when I go to the closet and pull out my blue jeans and a bunch of those wire hangers fall on the ground, do I shut the door and say I'm too important to do that? That's somebody else's job or not. Do I put the water in the ice tray before I put it in the freezer? Do I put the shopping cart back in the place that it's supposed to go in the parking lot of, of the Safeway? And if I make a whole bunch of those choices right, I maintain myself in a posture of surrender, which keeps me open to a higher power, my God. And when I do those things right, I feel God's power coming through me and that I can do things more effective as a human being. 
Calvin says, being justified does not mean possessing some sort of righteousness of our own. It is God seeing a person as righteous even though he is not. Here in this passage, we have an excellent exposition of this doctrine, for Paul uses the word blessed where he had previously spoken of being justified. Indeed, in the fourth chapter of the Romans, in the fifth verse, he says that justification by faith means that our sins are forgiven. When we are justified in God's sight, he is favorable and kind to us and welcomes us as his children. Why do we need to be justified? Simply because God cannot love sinners until he has forgiven their sins and blotted them out. We know that God, being a righteous God, cannot have anything to do with sin. He has to detest it and abhor it. This being the case, we cannot please him in any way unless we have first been purged of all our wrongdoings. For whilst they still count against us, God can only hate us and regard us as accursed. On the other hand, when he has canceled out all our offenses, he can welcome us in mercy. This is how we begin to experience his blessing. Are we blessed by God? That is to say, does he love us? Then we must also be those who are justified. This means that although we are full of sin, God grants us a share in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of his obedience is written to our account. It is as if I owed a sum of money and another were to pay on my behalf. Although I have paid nothing, I am still free of the debt. I did not have the means to pay, but I found someone else who was willing to help me. The same principle applies to us. We have no righteousness of our own, but Jesus Christ is our substitute and satisfies God the Father on our behalf. Our sins are completely washed away and are are not remembered or taken account of by God. This is justification, and this is the blessed indeed. Whereas we were once accursed and vile in his sight, we are now adopted as his children. So contrast the view of RFK Jr. and his Jungian sort of Roman Catholic Jungian works righteousness with the biblical doctrine of justification. They have very little resemblance to one another, right? And what do you know about, what do you observe about RFK Jr.'s works? What, what do you observe about his works? It's not his desire, it's his faith. What do you mean by that? I don't it's faked. Okay. No, I, I'm I'm thinking about it. It's it's um I mean fake it till you make it, yeah. His his faith in God, I mean he's not even sure there is a God, but he is he is sure that these works draw him closer to God somehow. Self-righteousness? Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
achievable. God says, you shall love me with your whole heart, strength, and mind. And he's picking up wire hangers off the floor. God says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he's putting his shopping cart away. Okay? Do you see the absurdity of that? And that's what Pharisees do. Pharisees make little laws that they can keep so that they can proclaim their own merits and their own righteousness. He's a Pharisee. He's making little keepable laws and claiming that that draws him near to God. And yet God looks at that and says, no, not only is that not impressive, but I will send you to hell for it. I'll send you to hell for putting your shopping cart away without faith. What else? Good. It's no fear. There's no even acknowledgement, let alone fear. Where's the faith? Where's the beef? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sad. I mean, it's very sad, isn't it? Um, He hasn't been taught the Word of God. And it's very sad, and, and yet that's the same gospel that Jordan Peterson preaches, right? Clean your room. I mean, he's, he, RFK Jr. and Jordan Peterson are friends. It's no surprise, right? And, um, I mean, but it's good to clean your room. It's good to put the shopping carts away. I make a point to do that myself. I mean, I don't, it drives me crazy when people leave them all over the place. I mean, all of that, yeah, we do that, but... If you think that makes you draw near to God, that in and of itself, that work, helps you draw near to God. You you don't know the first thing about the God of the Bible, the one true living God, right? And so that's why we have to pound on the word that recurs in Galatians a hundred times, which is faith, faith. How are you justified before God? It is not by, it is not by <clears throat> getting out of bed quickly. It is by absolutely coming to the end of yourself and saying, I am wretched and I have no worth of my own. God save me. God, save me in Jesus Christ. Give me his righteousness, right? It is, it is viewing yourself as unable. And then faith exists. But as, as, as long as you keep thinking that, that um, not, not hitting the snooze button is drawing you near to God, 
you will never exercise your faith. You will just keep doing the works because they're simple. They're achievable. Tithing meant to Dylan Cumin. Simple. Easy to do. You just take 10% of the mint out, 10% of the cumin out, and give it away. Give it to the temple. Give it to the priests, right? Did I see a hand in the back somewhere? Yeah. Any suffering. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah, Yeah, it's faithless, but it's Roman Catholicism. I mean, honestly, this is, this is what Roman Catholicism boils down to, this, this uh, conflating of justification and sanctification together, not holding this, do- this biblical doctrine of justification that we read about in the book of Galatians and everywhere else. Um, so, so it's... Um, you can see that even though he may have had some kind of a religious upbringing, he talked about his dad reading the scriptures to him when he put him to bed every night. Okay? And so this, it, it sounds, I mean, the, we could probably go round and round about our opinions about the Kennedy family, okay? I mean, that's complicated, right? But it seems that they were practicing Roman Catholics, right? There seems to have been something deeper than just um, political presentation. And so, but, so, um, but this, is where, this is where he ends up. And instead, you know, you w- pray for him. But it, instead, you would wish that when he hit rock bottom, he'd be like, okay, what in the world can I do? There's nothing I can do. I am just filthy. Somebody's got to save me. Right? Somebody's got to save me. It has to be somebody outside of myself because I lack the willpower. I lack the works. I lack everything. I lack the ability. So, um, that gets us going on the doctrine of justification. But remember... Being justified does not mean possessing some sort of righteousness of our own, putting away the shopping cart. It is God seeing a person as righteous, though he is not, and that by faith. The faith of that individual, and that faith is given as a gift by God to that individual, right? And that individual says, I don't have any works, I'm filthy. I am a sinner. I have rebelled against you my entire life. Now, Father, be merciful to me and your son. I believe that he is my righteousness. All right, so back in Galatians, 
1 through 5, we've, we've spent time looking at that. He's, he's asking the Galatians, okay, tell me, did you, are, are you going to continue by the works of the law even though you started by faith? What is going on here? Why are you leaning back into works of the law? And then he's going to, he, um, he goes and gets his proof texts from the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul, trained under the, uh, a very good teacher, knew, his, knew the scriptures, right? And so he goes back, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes back and looks at Abraham. Now, remember the context. Judaizers coming in, telling Gentiles they need to become Jews to become Christians. You got to keep the law. We can't just throw out the Mosaic law. We can't just do that. You got to keep the law. You got to keep circumcision. You got to keep the cleanliness laws. You got to do that. I mean, doesn't it seem weird that we would throw Moses out and all that? No, do that, and then you can be in the church. And so the apostle Paul goes, uh, not so fast. Let's look at Abraham. That's what he's doing here. It's just like, okay, that's what you think. I'll prove you wrong. I will demolish your argument. And so he starts this way, even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, right? That's the first of six quotes of the Old Testament that we get in this passage, okay? He is going to be walking through these. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So we could go to Genesis, right, chapter 12. And you guys know how God interacted with Abraham long ago. Abraham 12, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you. The one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth as God had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Now Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Okay, so he's, he's um, God says go forth and then gives him a long list of promises. Right, These covenant promises of God to Abram. Land, nation, blessings, your name's going to be great. All the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you, right? All these wonderful covenant promises. And then Genesis 15, he's promised something else. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look. Look toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then Abram 
believed in God. And he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then Abram told God that he put his carts away at the Safeway. And God reckoned it to him as righteousness. No, he didn't reckon it to him as righteousness. He paid him for the righteous deeds he had done. Right? He gave him what was his due. Right? Right? By putting those carts away, Abram made, put God in his debt. No, no, no. Nothing like that, right? He looked at the stars. The stars were there. Abram isn't even circumcised at this point. He hasn't even done that work, right? He's not circumcised. His children are not circumcised, right? And and it is before he's circumcised, Romans 4, right? And God sees him believe and reckons that faith to him as righteousness, Declared not guilty. Not guilty. Your sins are dealt with. And what did, what did Abram believe in? What did he believe? Well, he believed the promises and he believed looking forward to the ultimate promise of the, the Son of God dying for his sins. You know, looking for that city whose architect and builder is God. He looked forward. Right? And he believed. He had not done good works. He had not been circumcised. The law was not even yet given. So what had he done? He had believed. He had done nothing. He believed what God had said, and, was, and that was credited to his account as righteousness. Now, where did that righteousness come from? Was it his works? No. Or was it elsewhere? It was elsewhere. It was a righteousness, an alien righteousness given to him. just slapped on him. Righteousness is not an ethical quality, but a verdict. It's a legal standing. You don't change. When you come to faith, your character does not change. You have the same personality. Right? You have the same, in a sense, you have the same struggles ahead. Yeah, old man, new man, yeah, putting off of sin, the beginning of the mortification of sin, sanctification begins. But when you are justified, your character remains the same, but your status changes. Abraham, at the moment he believed, did not become righteous. He was considered righteous. That's justification. Considered righteous. In God's eyes, un, unblemished, clean, white as snow, covered in the blood of his son, right? Righteous. And God declares it. This is the essence of our faith. This is why we are Protestants. This is why we are Reformed. This, is, this distinguishes us from every other uh, semi-Pelagian Christian movement in the history of the world. Okay, whether that's a, a legalistic sort of works righteousness or that's a Roman sort of 
view of virtue and the building up of virtue and the the super arrogation of other people's works and the treasury of merits and all those things that make no scriptural sense. Verse 7, I'm never going to get through this. Verse 7, want to be a son of Abraham? Believe as he did. (laughs) That's what it means. Want to be a son of Abraham? Believe as he did. It is not those who conform to the law as the Judaizers would argue with them, but those who believe. Who are descended from Abraham? Those who believe as he believed. Those who look to God, not on the basis of their own works as impressing him, but those who look to God and believed his promises. The second quote comes along, all the nations will be blessed in you. In Galatians, get back to Galatians 3. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, how? By faith, preached the gospel beforehand, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Abraham got the gospel preached to him by God himself. Like, I, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to make your name great. So I'm, I'm going to provide you with a nation. Right? I am, gonna, I am going to give you a godly seed. Right? And so um, he had the pre- gospel preached beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. Okay, now this is a, a spiritual promise, not a physical promise. Your, your father Abraham, G, Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Jesus said that to the Jews. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Right, he saw Jesus. He knew Jesus. He knew the Messiah. Right? And he knew that that was the hope of his righteousness. That was all his merit. And so, again, we could go to Romans 4, 11 through 13. Um, but notice here that Abraham is the father of all believing Jews and Gentiles. Thankfully. Right? Because if, if Gentiles are not justified by faith, well, then we're doomed, right? Any of us who don't have what, you know, haven't done our little chart of nationalities and doesn't have a certain amount of Jewish blood, some of us would be in, others of us would not. But it is those who follow in faith. And so the Gentile, and so Paul's saying to them, you Judaizers, don't do this to the Gentiles. Don't make them work when you were justified apart from works yourself. Why would you do that? It's such a fundamental error of the gospel. Why would you be requiring something that was never ever even required of you, which is being justified by the works of the law? It was never the purpose of the law. Never, ever, ever was that the purpose of the law. And so Paul's like, what in the world has gotten into you, you foolish Galatians? Why are you abandoning the gospel? He's like, 
these Judaizers want the Gentiles to become Jews in order to be justified, even though the Jews themselves were not justified. And even a Jew had a promise that the Gentiles would be saved in the same way as they, they were. I mean, as he was. Abraham was justified by faith. Jews are justified by faith. Gentiles have the same promise and are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. There's one way, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Third quote. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Love how he just calls Abraham, you know, gives him this name, the believer. Not the worker, you know, not the impressive man who, who had a superfluity of works. Now the believer. For as many as are the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Therefore, if, if you can't keep all the things written in the law, you can't be justified in any other way. It is impossible to be justified by obedience to the law of God. Why? Because everybody sins. Every man who has ever lived has sinned. Save our Lord. Right? If law-keeping is your means of justification, you are doomed because no one can keep the law. No one can do it. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point is become guilty of all. One wayward glance, one lustful glance, one bitter thought, one selfish action, one not loving God with your whole heart, strength, and mind. Right? That's a breaking of the law, and then you're guilty of them all, and you're just as foul as somebody who has sinned in in more notorious and ugly ways. And then the fourth quote, so cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. You're cursed. Everybody who has ever sinned is cursed. Okay, the curse must be lifted somehow. Now that No one is justified by the works of the law as evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith, right? And he's just simply saying this, the righteous man doesn't live by works, the righteous man lives by faith. It's just a simple statement, right? If if it were by works, well, then we would have this category of righteous man who had done a certain number of things and had attained to a certain level. But Habakkuk comes along and says, the righteous man shall live by faith, And so if you want to find a righteous man, who do you look for? Somebody who's done works or somebody who believes in Jesus? You look for the man who believes in Jesus, genuinely believes in Jesus, okay? So it's by faith, not by the keeping of the law. So he's just pulling Old Testament quotes in here and saying, you Judaizers, you don't even know the Bible, idiots, right? You don't know know what you're saying. I mean, he is trying... He is trying to belittle his opponents so that he can protect the souls of the sheep who are being led astray. Fifth quote. 
Now that no one is justified by the works of the law is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Law and faith can't be mixed. Law and faith can't be mixed. It's not as the Judaism are saying, begin by faith, continue in justification by works. Keeping the law and living by faith are two completely separate means of justification. One works and one doesn't. Right? But they are two different means. He who practices them, the works of the law, that's the reference of them. He who practices them, the works of the law, shall live by them. I mean, that's a scary thought. You live by the works of the law. You think your justification is maintained by the works of the law. Then keep the law. Get to work. Get to work. Seriously. If you're justified by the works of the law, you better be perfectly righteous. You better never sin. It's just terrible. Such a terrible view. Six quote. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. That curse that said, guilty, 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 guilty. Lawbreaker, lawbreaker, lawbreaker. That's what the law does, right? You failed. You failed again. You failed a hundred times today. You failed. You are wicked, right? Christ redeemed us. He paid the price, right? The redemption price. He paid it so that we could be freed from that condemnation of the law, the law constantly accusing us. It's taken away by Christ. How? Having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so, Jesus became your, the curse, you had a curse on you, Jesus became that curse when he hung on the tree, when he was crucified, when he died. He took his, your curse, the curse that you had on himself as your substitute, and he died a terrible death. He died He took on the curse, and then it says in 14, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, reckoned as righteous, might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So you see all of this working together. Paul is just pulling in the Old Testament quotes, and he's like, this is is like Christianity 101, guys. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. Don't follow these Judaizers. These Judaizers are just... They're just wistful. They're just like, they're wistful for the Jewish traditions. They just want that flavor of Jewish traditions. You know? And... and the Apostle Paul just demolishes their view by simply going to the Old Testament and pointing to Abraham and saying that, how was Abraham justified? He believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He believed God and God said, not guilty. Not guilty. And so for us, 
God's covenant blessings come to the Jew and to the Gentile in the same way through faith in Christ. So can we establish our, righteous, our own righteousness? Can we establish some sort of impressive righteousness? Is RFK Jr.'s standard of righteousness going to be impressive to God? Hardly, far from it. All those things done without faith or sin. Can you ever put God in your debt and go to him and be paid for what you have done? God, I want my wages. I have done these works. I want my wages. You owe me. Let's get this going. And I think what I think my salary level should be eternal life. That's what it should be. I should have a, a ticket to, I should have citizenship to the New Jerusalem. Give me that. And he will say, look, I never knew you. Get out of my presence. which is a horribly frightening thing to think about. Have you earned your salvation? No. There is no merit outside of Christ's merit, and there is no justification apart from his merit applied to us that comes by the means of faith. The Judaizers are refuted. They may have pointed to Abraham and his works, but they have been defeated by Abraham and his faith. <laughs> They've been defeated. But Paul has other things to say to them as well, <laughs> which will come up in the next chapters. But this, this is the very centerpiece of our faith. If we get this wrong, we're not Christians, we're heretics, okay? Is so very important. What does it mean for you? It means believe in Jesus. Yes, you've sinned. You've sinned today. You've, you'll sin this coming week. Well, respond to that by faith in Jesus. Right? Do not forget when you sin about your justification in Christ. If you don't believe in justification, you'll never pursue your sanctification. If you're not settled in your justification, you'll never go after real righteousness, right? Good works, putting to death the deeds of the flesh, all those things God calls us to do, even though he's justified us and, and doesn't even remember our sins anymore, whatever that means. It's mind-boggling. Omniscience doesn't forget, but it does. So, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're forgiven, and, um, and that's where we're going to sit. We're going to settle there. We're gonna, um, we may get to sanctification after this book, but this book is about that initial, very rich, very central, most important, central element of the Christian faith. How are you justified? First of all, you have to be justified. How are you justified? By faith, not by works. Faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he became the curse for us so that we might be set free. He paid the price that we might be redeemed. He was our substitute, Father, and he was punished for our iniquities. And Father, we believe in Jesus. We entrust our souls to you. We are nothing in and of ourselves. We desperately need righteousness. We desperately need 
Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And so we bow before him in faith and trust that you too have declared us, as you did Abraham, to be, to be righteous in your sight. Thank you for this amazing gift. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.